Good evening. It's wonderful to see everyone here. We want to thank everyone for being here with us tonight. If you're visiting with us, we want to thank you so much for being here. You've honored us with your presence here tonight. and We invite you back at any time that you can be here with us to worship God in, in truth and in spirit. Thank you for braving the weather. It's, it's wonderful for, for, uh, for rain. It's a good blessing of rain, but it is kind of cold and, and wet outside, and we appreciate you traveling through that here to be with us here tonight as we study God's Word. I hope that the lesson tonight will be a benefit to you, will be edifying, as, as, as Aaron said in his prayer, that, 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 that it'll be a benefit if we allow it to be that benefit. If we study God's Word with that open heart and that open mind and we receive that message, we will be benefited and blessed in our lives by the study of uh, of um, tonight we just started our our study in the book of numbers we're already to uh, numbers uh, chapter 11 because ian did one through ten if you uh, recall that so we i believe we we're going to be doing it chapter by chapter now we we, we might change that up some in the future but tonight we're going to do roman or sorry numbers chapter 11 <clears throat> Numbers chapter 11, it's a fascinating chapter, it's a chapter of looking at human behavior, of some of the things that humans do, because the, the children of Israel, even though they were, were human beings, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, they acted just like human beings do today, and we'll see that in this chapter and how God deals with that and how they react to that. I want us to re remember that our, our last study ended in Numbers chapter 10. And in Numbers uh, uh, chapter 10, as Ian closed out that, out, uh, out that study, right there at the end of Numbers chapter 10, going into Numbers chapter 11, I like to read those last four verses there where it says, And they departed from the mount of the Lord, that, uh, that's Mount Sinai, three days journey, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went be, uh, before them in three days journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them, by day, and when they went out of the camp, and it came to pass when the ark set forth that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. So as we ended that last study, we see that Moses put all that trust and that faith in God, that as the children of Israel moved forward towards that promised land, the ark of the covenant was going to go forward, that the Lord was going to go before the children of Israel and lead the children of Israel, and it says, the enemies of the Lord scatter. And when it was time to set that camp back up, it said, Lord, return, be here with your people, the many thousand of Israel. So it, it's, a very, it's a very fascinating thing that that's how they moved, and all those different procedures, as we talked about, that God is a God of arrangement, God is a God of order, and he wants things done his way. And if you didn't get one of these study packets where Ian went through that. Uh, I'm going to put him on the spot. If you want one, he'll get you one. So if, if, if you don't have these, Ian will, will print you one out so you can catch up if you're, if you're behind on that study. And we will also have that audio sermon on podcast uh, soon. So ending there, they are now leaving Mount Sinai. They are now journeying, and they have their order of, 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 of operations, so to speak, and, and that's a math term, I'm a math guy, that they need to when they journey, when, they, when they, they leave. So now they're moving from Mount Sinai, and they're making this journey. And here's the first thing that they do. In Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and Moses, 
And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Taberia because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And I will do my best to pronounce these names. But, but that means burning is what that means. They named that place burning because of what happened there. So one of the first things that the children of Israel do is they complain. They're great complainers. And as I think of my life, there's many times that I am a great complainer. I complain a lot. So I see myself, and you may see yourself in these children of Israel, and I think it's a study and it's a story for us to make sure that we don't act like this. But it's something that Moses and God is dealing with here in the children of Israel that they are complaining, and they are complaining so much that God consumes them in the uttermost parts of the camp. That just means the outskirts of the camp there. He he burns them up, Moses prays, and it stops, and that place is called the burning. But they're humans. They're they're going to complain. They're going to do these things. And God is going to correct them. Why? Because God is a good parent. And a good parent corrects his children when they do things wrong. But if we look into the future there, and we see Paul dealing with the church, he's dealing with the same kind of things. In in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, here the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, Paul writing this letter there says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to do, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. He said there, you guys have obeyed. Obey more now that I'm gone and continue to to obey. Well, that's what God wants from the children of Israel here. He's laid out all this list of things that they should do and that they should obey those things. And it says do all those things without murmuring and disputing. That's that's complaining. That's grumbling. So do these things without grumbling. Why? So that you can be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. Well, that's what God wants for the children of Israel here now, too. He wants them to be the sons of God, the blameless and harmless sons of God. And they do that by not complaining and not disputing and doing the things and obeying what God has given them. So it's something that, they, that we see in throughout, throughout scriptures is a problem that needs to be talked about and needs to be dealt with. And it was dealt with there by God. But then they keep going here. Numbers 11, verses 4 4 through 6 here, the Bible says, back back to our text, it says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell at lusting, or they started lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? And that word flesh to eat means meat. Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks. And the onions and the garlic, but now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. So they're complaining some more here. And we're going to skip around. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 4, 14 here, here in just a moment, as well as Exodus chapter 16. And I'll make that note. If you're taking notes and you wanting to study, Exodus chapter 16 is a good parallel chapter to Numbers 11. So I would encourage you, if you go home and study some more, go back and look at Exodus chapter 16 as well. But said they are complaining. They say, we remember all the fish that we had and all the melons and cucumbers and all these good things to eat and all these different flavors and all this different variety. And that was back in Egypt. And it said, all we have is this bread, this manna. And we're going to talk about manna and how important it was and how miraculous it was that God took care and provided for his people. 
But you know what humans want? They want variety. They want all kinds of flavors. They want all this different type of stuff. And they had it back in Egypt. <clears throat> and to me, they are looking back at what they had as they were slaves in Egypt. Slaves. And they're fond of those fish and all those things that they had when they were slaves, but they're not the slaves of Egypt anymore. They should be the slaves of God. And he explains that to them. And it reminds me of what they said the very first time back in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, they have now fled Egypt and they're leaving. And it says here in Exodus chapter 14, if you remember that, it says here in verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with, with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Verse 12, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So they're saying kind of the exact same thing. The Pharaoh's coming to kill us. He said, we were, we were slaves and, and, and service, but, but we weren't going to die. We, we were oh, oh, okay there. Do you remember we had fish and melons and garlic and cucumbers and all those things that are good to eat? Then in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, Moses said, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show to you today. For the Egyptians who ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. It's a simple message. It said they see these Egyptians coming to kill them. Just like here in Numbers 11, they want all that fish and all those good things as they had. And said, you've got God now, and he will fight for you. So what you need to do is hold your peace, almost kind of be quiet and be still, and you're going to see what God can do. And God tells them to go forward. Don't worry about that past. You keep going forward with God, towards God, and you're marching with the ark in front of you, and you're going forth, and you're going towards the promised land that is Canaan. And it's the same message for us, to, uh, us today, that if we look back at our old life, maybe your personal Egypt, maybe what you used to have and what you used to do, and maybe it looks good and it looks pleasurable, but God is not concerned with our pleasures. God is concerned with our obedience. And that's what he's teaching the children of Israel. He tells them to go forward. And it's a powerful message for us as well that when we think about turning back and looking at Egypt, so to speak, God is always saying, go forward and I will fight for you. I will take care of you. So back to Numbers chapter 11 here, the Bible says, And the manna was like a coriander seed. Did I say that right? Close enough. And the color thereof was the color of bellium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills and beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp, in the night, the manna fell upon it. And we're going to go back to Exodus chapter 16 and talk about this manna because this is what they're complaining about. They said, we don't have any meat. We don't have all that good stuff. All we've got is this manna all the time. 
We want something different, God. We want something new than what you're providing for us at no cost or effort to us. And I want to really look at this bread here, this manna. They say what it looks like. They say what it tastes like. And it was just there in the morning. Now, I found these pictures, and I do have maps later. I know everybody's already excited. But I have these pictures here that we, we, we have these seeds here that, 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 we, that we can look at, we can buy. They're, they're not quite as, as white as, as the scriptures say. As we look in Exodus chapter 16, how it talks about that manna was white. But we have that there. That's a picture, and there's a bellium. And I don't know if you can see that really well. These lights may be kind of messing with it some. But if you look, look, if you look up that word, it kind of talks about possibly amber in color or white as pearl in color. So I'm not saying this is exactly some of the color schemes that that bread was, but it's just some pictures that I found that I thought was interesting as we talk about this manna. So God provides this manna, this bread, this food for the children of Israel because they needed some, something to eat. Just like he provided that water and made that water sweet to drink, God provides for his children. You know, in Exodus chapter 16, the Bible says in, in verse 2, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. But verse 3, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would, would to God we had died in, in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the, the flesh pots, or meat pots, and we did have bread to eat to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the, uh, the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. So not only does God provide food for them, he also says, I'm going to make it to where you gather up a certain amount, and I'm going to test you. I'm going to prove to see if you are going to walk in my law or if you're not. And he rains bread down from heaven. Is, is that not fantastic? They are hungry, they have a need, and God provides. Do you get to pick your flavor of manna? No. But God makes sure that you have food, and that you are fed, and that you can continue on your daily life. So they were complaining here. They said, we're going to die of hunger. God rains down bread from heaven. Skipping in Exodus chapter 16, verse 14 and 16. Here the Bible says, and when the dew that lay, lay was gone, that, that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing as, a, as, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And the children of Israel saw it, and they said to one another, it is manna, for they wits, or they knew not what it was. And if you're curious, the word manna kind of means what? I mean, what is this? And Moses said unto them, this is, the bread which, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, gathered every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons that's in your tent or in your family. Take ye every man for them which are in the tent. So God says, or Moses says, this is the bread from heaven. This is what God said he's going to give to you. And they were like, what is this? This is, this is the food that God is giving to them. And guess what? They didn't have to really go out and search it. They didn't have to go hunt for it. God provided it to them. And they gathered, gathered it up. I have this picture here of hoarfrost. 
And if you've seen this type of frost, it, it kind of gathers in a different way. It's very light. It almost looks kind of feathery. I, I think <laughs> that it looks real pretty. I'm not saying this is exactly what that looked like, but it's just an illustration here or a picture of that type of frost that, uh, that accumulates. And it looks like, like, like this, almost like lace. Exodus chapter 16 says here, See, for Exodus chapter 16, verse 29 now, skip it down to verse 29. In Exodus chapter 16, it says, See, for that the Lord hath given you the, the Sabbath, therefore he hath given you on the sixth day that bread for two days. Abide ye every man in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So according to the gathering of this bread, it says on the sixth day you'll have a double portion because you need to honor the Sabbath and I don't want you to go and get this bread on the Sabbath. So the people rested on the seventh day and the house of Israel called the, uh, the, the, the name therefore manna. And it was like that coronator seed. White, it says it was white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And I brought these verses up here because I'm, I'm trying to get us in the mindset of God and what he's done for his children of Israel, and he's provided this bread for them to eat. And to me, this bread tastes like fresh oil. It's, it, the Bible also said that it's like a wafer, or if you look at other translations, like a pastry, and, is, and it, is made with, it tastes like it's made with honey. And I don't know if you like honey. I like honey. I put honey on all kinds of stuff in my tea, on my sandwiches. If I have a pastry, I could put some honey on it. I think this would taste good. I think this would be pleasing for the children of Israel to have this bread that is this color, is this shape, is free, and it tastes like honey, which sounds good to me. And guess what? They're complaining about it. They said, this is all we have, God? You're just going to give us this delicious-tasting honey bread? So I wanted to point that out because I thought it was fascinating. Some of the colors, some of the ways that this bread was, and some of the descriptions that the Bible says that it tastes like. So to me, this probably tastes really, really good. I've never had manna. But to me, it sounds like God is doing them a good, good favor. And he's providing for the children of Israel. And they are complaining about it. Back to Numbers chapter 11 and verse 10, the Bible says, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, complaining about all this stuff. Every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant, speaking of himself, Moses, and wherefore hath I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all these people? Have I begot them? That thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth a suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. I mean, Moses is like, God, this burden is too much for me. He said, did I conceive all these people? He's like, why am I the one stuck with this job? He said, am I supposed to carry them around like a baby? And how many people are we talking about? Hundreds of thousands of people. Every one of these hundreds of thousands of people are complaining to Moses. And Moses is just overwhelmed with all these complaints. So he takes it to God, which is what we do. When life gets hard, when the burden seems too much for us, Moses at least goes to the right place. He goes to God and tells God all these things. Numbers chapter 11, verse 13, the Bible says, When should I have flesh or meat to, to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. Moses says here in verse 14, I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. 
If thou deal thus with me, kill me. I pray thee out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. That's a low, low place to be. Moses is like, if this is what you want me to do, kill me. Because I can't take it. I cannot handle it. A little bit of depression here, right? He's, and, and, and remember, this is a lot of people. And they're all complaining and whining to Moses that all we have is this bread and we want flesh, we want meat to eat. <clears throat> but what does Moses say? He says, I'm not able to bear these people alone. And God says, okay. But before we get, we get to those verses, he says, kill me, and if I found favor, do it quickly so I don't even see this wretched state that I am in. And it says here in Numbers chapter 1, if you recall from Ian's study, Numbers chapter 1, verses 45 and 46, it says, So were all those that were numbered of the children of Israel by the house of their fathers from 20 years old and upward, all that were able to go forth unto war, just those, just those people, just those. Even all that were numbered were 600,000 and 3,000 and 550. And I put that number in there just so it, it would make you know that sometimes we, want, we may give Moses a, a bad rap. Be like, look, this is the job. This is what you're supposed to do. Sorry about your luck. This is hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people complaining to one man. And that's Moses. That's a lot. It is just a whole lot to deal with. And it reminded me of 1 Kings chapter 19 where Elijah there is in the same state. Elijah just defeated the, the prophets of Baal. God defeated the prophets of Baal, but Elijah was instrumental in that, and all those things happened. And then Jezebel is killing all, all these people of God, and, and, and she pretty much says, I'm going to kill you too. And he can't take it, so he just goes off in the state of depression, and he sits under a, 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 a juniper tree. And, and we're not going to turn to those verses. I should have said that earlier, but I have that up in case you're taking notes. You can write those verses down. And he's sitting under that tree, and he says the same thing. I, I'm alone. I can't take this. Kill me. I would rather just die. That's what Elijah's saying, and I'm not quoting verses here. But then God tells him, God makes him go out into a cave, and he starts whispering to him and then speaking to him loudly, and he says, you are not alone. He says, I've got stuff for you to do, Elijah. There's work for you to do for the Lord. He said, not only that, there's 7,000 people that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And then Elijah was, you know, gets up and he's like, I'm not alone. There's people there with me to help me to do the Lord's work. And then Elijah's able to come out of that state and go forward. God helps him, but it's not the first time or the last time <coughs> that we see someone who is a man of God getting low. It just happens. It might be a burden, but God provided for Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, and he's going to help Moses out too. So here in Numbers 11, verse 16, the Bible says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and I will put it upon them, that they shall bear the burden of, of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. So what does God do? He hears Moses' prayer, and he says, no problem. Go out and get you 70 guys to help you. Bring them to the tent. Bring them to the, con uh, the, uh, the, uh, the tent there, and I will come now. I'll speak with you. I'll give them a spirit so that they can help you do this work alone. 
So God is a God of order. He's a God of also providing. God provides for his children. He's providing for Moses' help. And to me, it's very interesting. He said, don't go pick out 70 random guys. He's like, pick out elders. Pick out men that, that you know are going to do a good job. Kind of like we would do elders here today. It's like not a novice. Make, make sure these are fellows that, that know what they're doing. That will help you be able to make these judgments and do all these things. So he, he, he picks them out so that they will help. And God's going to give them a spirit just like Moses. Not exactly like Moses, but that they will be able to help in this work. Numbers chapter 11, verse 18, the Bible says, And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye shall weep in the ear, for ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. And remember, God points out, Egypt. He points out, you guys are complaining about Egypt. You want to go back to Egypt. And then, then God says here in verse 19, you shall not eat it one day, not two days, not five days, not ten days, not twenty days, but even a whole month you will have this flesh until it comes out of your nostrils and it, w- and it be loathsome to you or loathsome unto you. You will loathe it because ye have despised the Lord which is among you and you have wept before him saying, why came we forth out of Egypt? That's the saying. That's what God is not happy about. He said, they are complaining, why have we come out of Egypt? And he's saying, you, you, want, you, want, you want meat to eat? I'll give you meat to eat. I'm going to give you so much meat to eat that it starts coming out of your nose. You will hate it. You will despise it just like you are despising me. So God is upset with the Egypt comment. Why? Because they would rather go back and be the servants and slaves in Egypt to have some fish and, and cucumbers and not be the slaves of service of God and go towards the promised land. It reminded me of Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, where the Bible says, No man can serve two masters. This is Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. For either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that's the statement here. You cannot go back and serve Egypt and serve me. God wants them to serve him. And they are despising what God has provided for them. Do we do that? Do we look at the world and all the pleasures in it? Because there's lots of pleasures. There's lots of good fish and cucumbers and stuff like that out in the world. There's lots of stuff that we could go partake in that seems good. But God's way is the narrow way. Why is it a broad way that leads to destruction? Because it's easy. God's way sometimes is not easy. And if you want to look at it, grab one of these and read some more. I mean, God's got a particular way. I'm just saying that might not be easy how you have to pack up the camp and do all these things. It's, 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 it could be difficult. But guess what? That's what God wants his people to do. And it's the same for us. God wants us to obey his word. And God wants us to be his slaves and his servants, not the servants of the world, not that worldly Egypt. So he's saying, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you meat. I'm going to give you plenty of meat. Back to Numbers uh, chapter 11, Moses speaks again, and Moses is a great man, but he's also a great teacher in that he opens his mouth and says stuff just like Peter would, and then we have a learning opportunity. Moses said, the people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen, and thou hast said, I will give them flesh, I will give them meat, that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for, uh, for them to suffice them? 
Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? Moses is saying, how, how are we going to do this? We'd have to slay all these herds and animals, and they still won't be able to feed all these people. You can grab all the fish from the sea and give them all these fish from the sea. It's like, that won't be enough. How are you going to do this? And the Lord said, verse 23, And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hands waxed short or grown short? He said, Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. God says, are my hands too short to do what I say I'm going to do? I parted the sea for you guys so y'all can escape those, those armies of Pharaoh and then I crush them. God's saying, I'm going to feed all these people and you're going to sit back and watch me do it. Because Moses is just, Mo, Moses is a human man and he says things that he thinks of and it reminds me of John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. If, you, if you're taking notes, write that down. That's where Christ feeds 5,000. And if you recall, these 5,000 come to Jesus. And Jesus has, has compassion on, on the multitude, and, he, and he's going to feed them. And he asks, or he kind of tests his disciples, Philip there. He kind of tests them and says, well, how much do we need to buy food for all these people? And he's like, well, it'd be 200 penny worth. It would be tons of money, and that probably won't even feed them. He said, well, we've got this lad, we've got this small kid here. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, sit them down, and I'm going to feed them. You can't feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. That's what Moses is saying. Is that how are you going to feed all these children of Israel? God, Jesus, can do it. He sits them down, and he feeds all these 5,000, and they gather 12 baskets of the fragments of the leftovers from what they ate. So Moses, very, very, very similar to the apostles here, is like, how are you going to do this? And Jesus didn't say, sit back and watch. God's kind of saying, sit back and watch. You'll see. He feeds them. He does this for them. And it just re re reminded me of how Jesus fed those 5,000 people. Back to Numbers chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible says, And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Verse 26, but there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad. And the spirit rested upon them and they were of them that were written and went not out unto the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. So Moses does what God says. He gets this list. He writes down a, a list of the 70 men. And they come to the tent. God comes down. God speaks to Moses. He gives those elders, those men, the spirit so that they can do these things. And guess what? They also prophesy. They don't cease prophesying the words of God. But there's two guys that didn't come to the tent. But they were numbered. They were a part of those that were written, those that Moses had said, these are my 70 guys. So there are two of those 70 guys. But they didn't come to the tent. Nevertheless, they still prophesied. They just prophesied in the camp. And, I, and I'm sure people in the camp were hearing these men prophesy. And it says here in, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 27, And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord Moses forbade them. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Verse 29, And Moses said unto them, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. And Moses got him into the camp, and he and the elders of Israel. So there's these two guys that, in Joshua's opinion, didn't do like they were supposed to. All those men were told to go to the tent, right? They were told to go to the tent, and then God will come down and speak to them. And then all the elders that were there prophesied. But these two guys didn't. They didn't do like they were supposed to, right? So Joshua's like, stop it. Tell them to stop it. They're not with us. They're not doing like they're supposed to do. And Moses said, are you jealous? Are you envious for, for, uh, for my sake? Moses is, is, is saying, it would be great if all the children of Israel were prophets, that every single one of them prophesied in the name of God. Moses, I think, recognizes that those two men that are in the camp prophesying, they are able to do that because it's God's will. It's Lord. Lord gave them that ability to do those. So Moses is pretty much saying, don't worry about, about that. God is the one that made it to where those two men can prophesy. And he said, I wish everybody was that way. And it, 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 and it re, re, reminds us of a similar account in the New Testament in Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, <clears throat> John here says, in Mark chapter 9, verse 38, And John answered, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him, <clears throat> because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name, that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. He's saying he that is not against us is for us. So he's saying, look, he's not with us, but, but he's doing that. And he said he couldn't do that, you know, with, with, without that power of Jesus' name. So Jesus says, don't forbid them. Let them do that. Even though they're not with us, they're still prophesying. And if you study God's word, there's times that some not very good evil people prophesy and they speak true words because God gave them that power God gave them that ability to do that at that time so it's still the words of God back to Numbers chapter 11 and the Bible says here and there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side <clears throat> round about the camp and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth and the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day and they gathered the quails and he that gathered least gathered ten homers and they spread them all all abroad for themselves round about the camp so once God rained down all these quails these children of Israel are gathering, and they gather all day, and they gather all night, and they gather all the next day, and they gather ten, the least gather ten homers, and I looked that up. Ten homers is about a little more than 500 gallons. Now, we're not, we're not talking about liquid, we're talking about quails, but that should give you an idea. That's a ton of quail. You cannot eat that many quail. But they just gathered and they gathered and they gathered. That's not what I want. And they gathered and they gathered. And they could not stop. And it says here that the quails that God rained down was two cubits high. Brought a tape measure. Two cubits is about 36 inches, which is about three feet. So I don't know if you can see this. 
right here. That's how high it was. That's how thick, how deep it was of quail. And it was a day's journey on all around the camp. That it was this high and you could walk for an entire day and it's nothing but quail. That is a massive amount of quail. That is too many quail. That's enough quail to come running out of your nose. And even though God rained down all these quail three feet high, a day's journey all around the camp, just mountains of flesh, they just kept gathering. They just kept getting, and they just kept getting. It's like, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine, and I'm going to store it. I'm going to store it. I'm going to store it in bigger barns, right? And they just couldn't stop themselves from gathering these quail. Do we do that? Do we see these worldly lusts? Do we see these worldly pleasures? Like, oh, I've got to have that. I've got to have that, and I've got to have that, and I've got to have that. And we just keep taking, and we just keep getting and getting and getting all these things. And it, it made God a little upset that they just kept getting. They could not eat all this quail. This quail would rot before they ever had a chance to eat 500 gallons or so of quail. It showed their nature. I also have a picture of a quail. This is a common quail. I'm not saying that this is the exact quail that they had, but it's a picture of a quail. It's a common quail. I also have this up here. It says that this bird, it's a small, compact bird. This bird is about seven inches in length. This wingspan is about 14 inches, and it weighs about five ounces. So even though we're talking about three feet of quail, a day's journey around, it's not a big bird. It's a small bird. And as I started visualizing that many dead birds all over the place, not big turkey birds, tiny quail birds, and this is what they, they want, and they gather more than they could ever eat. And they kept gathering, they kept gathering for days. This, because they were displeased with honey-tasting bread. So God says, I'm going I'm to give you meat. I'll give you all the meat that you can handle, because that's what they asked for. You know, in the book of James, we just got done with our study in the book of James. James chapter 4 says, Ye ask, and ye receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. You think that's what they were doing? They were gathering quail because they wanted to consume it upon their lust. Their lust would never be full with that quail. They have a hole inside them that instead of being satisfied and filling it with God, they're filling it with quail. We'll never have enough quail. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is amenity with God. Whosoever therefore will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's the worldly, carnal, fleshly nature. How many quail can I get? I'll take all the quail. How, many, how much cell phone data can I get? I'll take all the cell phone data possible. I'll download, I'll download everything you can imagine. 25 million games that I play too. But I got to have them. I got to have all that stuff. And those things, like this quail, will take you away from God. You know, in Luke chapter 15, we had the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost son. And it's the same thing. What did the parable of the prodigal son? He said, give me all my quail right now. He said, give me my inheritance. I want all of it. I want all of it. I want all of it. I'm going to take it. And then he just ruins and wastes all of it. And anytime you get all of that that you want, it inevitably, it inevitably leads to a life of want, a life of sin, because it is apart from God. That's you serving mammon. That's you wanting to go back to Egypt. And it's very similar here. These children of Israel are like this prodigal, this prodigal son. They wanted it, so God gave it to him, just like the father did. And what happened with the parable of the lost son? He eventually realized his terrible mistake, 
that these quail, this money, these friends, these people will never fill me. But the Father's house is always there to provide what you need. And God's manna will always provide what you need. Let's not be like the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 11, verses 33 to 35. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. What happened? They gathered what they wanted, and before the flesh was even, before they even chewed it and swallowed it, a giant plague because of their lust, because of their cravings. And he called uh, the, the name of that place Kybrath Hittaviah. That's pretty close. Because there they buried the people that lust is. So that name kind of means the graves of the craving. Like if, 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 if you look that up. And the people journey from the place I pronounced unto Hezroth and abode at Hezroth. So they are, they're still moving. They've got all these problems. They've got all these, these issues. And they're, but they're still moving forward. Moses is still, I think, with his help now, kind of getting the people to continue on God's journey so they can get to the promised land. That's our journey, is it not? Even though we have all these issues and all these things that happen to us, Jesus still wants us to continue on and continue on to the promised land and continue on together as a family, just like this children of Israel here. And here's the map. So I found this, this map. It's not my favorite map. I'm going to look for a better map. If you find a better map, tell me, and I'll put it up here. But we'll, we'll see that they're right here, Mount Sinai. This is where Ian left us here. All those ten verses here was at Mount Sinai, and now they are moving. Here's a Hazaroth right there. So they're moving. Kind of, You have the Red Sea here, and they're starting to kind of go up, or sorry, go down, and now they're starting to go up, and Canaan's land is kind of up here somewhere. They're going towards Canaan's land. And now they're moving from Mount Sinai, and they're moving kind of along this water here. And they're, they're right about here where I leave you in this chapter. We'll be right here. And I've got that zoomed in a little bit too. So they're moving. Somewhere here is when they were complaining. And you can imagine all this quail, you know, right there by the, by, by the sea. It, it was available to God, and God gave it to them, and it was just crazy. But the children of Israel are still moving in this direction here. I'm leaving there at, at Hazaroth, and they are going towards the promised land. <clears throat> One more set of verses as, as we close. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through, uh, through, through 12, that same letter that Paul was writing about them having those problems there, murmuring and complaining. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 12, the Bible says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care... Of me hath flourished again, wherein ye are also careful, but ye lack opportunity. Now, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. The children of Israel were not content. God gave them manna. God gave them water. God gave them bread. God gave them the things that would provide for them. But they had a heart issue. And their heart said, I need more. I need all these different things. I have to have meat. I have to have cucumbers and garlic and all those things. I have to have those. And guess what? They did not have to have those things. What they needed was what God provided for them. And we 
should strive to be content with the things that God has provided for us. And be careful because those other things will only take us away from God, just like that prodigal son, just like the children here of Israel, that we should do our best to be content with what God has provided for us because God will provide for his children. Hopefully, we, we, uh, as we continue studying in the book of, of Exodus, uh, uh, we hope that, that, that you keep coming here back on Wednesday nights as we continue this journey as the children of, of Israel are going towards Canaan's land. Uh, uh, tonight, if you are not a child of God and you wish to become a, a child of God, we, we have, I, I look backwards because the last time there was no water. There's water behind me. If you wish to be baptized, we have water. We are prepared to, uh, to, uh, to help you with that if you wish to become a child of God. If you're not a child of God tonight and you are having trouble, maybe you see yourself as one of those children of Israel. Maybe you've been lusting after things or craving after things that are not godly. That happens, and you can fix that just like Moses did. Take your, take your things to God. Take your issues to God and pray to God, and we, can, we, and we would love to pray with you or for you or, 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 or whatever you need. If you would, come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we, as we stand and we sing the song that has been selected.